our final sermon of this series titled Lost in the Wild. This was, we've been doing this, this is our fifth Sunday with this series, and this series has been all about discovering or learning our identity in Jesus. The person that God created us to be long before we were born. I think that's so amazing. Long before we were born, God saw who we were going to be. The person, what we've been talking about is the person who we are to be the moment we choose to invite Jesus into our lives. See, we have free will, we have a sinful nature, we have different roads and and paths that we travel in life, but the moment we say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life, that is the moment he says, now, now we will begin discovering who you were created to be. But it's a journey getting there, right? And then once we're on that journey with Jesus, then it's even more of a journey. It's more of an adventure. Now, last week I shared with you kind of an analogy from one of my kind of favorite TV stars by the name of SpongeBob SquarePants. And then, so like this this past week, another TV show kind of dropped into my, my thoughts that have to do with identity crisis and and things of that nature. Do any of you remember the show from the 60s? It was black and white. It was hosted by Rod Serling by the name of The Twilight Zone. Right? The Twilight Zone. Some of you younger people probably don't, don't, never heard of this one, but this was a bizarre show. Like, really weird. It was a science fiction show, but it was all about, uh, every episode had something to do with a person who who all of a sudden was questioning their identity or questioning their existence because of this bizarre situation that they had found themselves in. And it was a really weird show, and then the ending of every episode was never what you thought it would be. Well, on this one specific episode, there's a man who wakes up. His wife doesn't recognize... Nobody recognizes who he is. Not his wife, not his co-workers, not the people he interacts with on a daily basis... There's even a scene where he goes to the bank and he's trying to explain that I am who I am and he pulls out his ID and the picture on the ID is not even him. And he's just freaking out throughout this whole day. And there's a line in the episode he says, I don't care what you say, I know who I am. All right? So keep that in mind for a second. Now, as the day goes on, it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder for this guy. And then at the end of the episode, he finds out that he's a totally different person living in a totally different world. And then that's it. He goes off into bizarro world, and, and then we're off to the next episode next week. But you know, for me, all right, I can stand here with confidence in knowing who I am in Christ. Okay? I can stand here in confidence knowing that. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on my emotions. It's not based on what people are telling me. It's based on the Word of God and how my life lines up with what the Word of God says and who Jesus says I am in His Word. Okay? So I don't care what you tell me. I know who I am. Right? Now that can go both ways. You can be very messed up in life. You can be struggling with your identity in Jesus. You can be struggling with all kinds of things. You can be on the completely wrong path in life, but so confident that when somebody tries to maybe steer you in a different direction, you say, no, no, I know who I am. 
but you really don't, right? Just like this guy in the, in the, the Twilight Zone. He knew who he was. Don't, I don't care what you say. I know who I am. But in the end of the episode, he had not a clue. He was more lost than he was in the beginning of the episode. And sometimes I think that's what happens with us in life. And that's why we're doing this series. And, and today, the culmination of this series is, is how we are to base our lives on the truth of God's word. Not our emotions, not what people say, not, not what, what people feed us or anything. It's the truth of God's word that defines who we are. Amen? So, but imagine, if you will, you wake up one day and you have no recollection of who you are. You don't know who you are. Sometimes we're like this, right? And that's the moment we invite Jesus in. But imagine you, you don't know who you are, and, and nobody can help you regain your identity. So the question for today is, the question that we're going to answer is, how do we go about creating a positive ID? How do we go about creating a positive identity for ourselves? Now, you've heard that phrase a lot, right? A positive ID. For those of you that like the, the criminal shows and you like to watch the, the, the mysteries, you know, the detectives, they can't go after their, their person until they have a positive ID. You can't, you can't arrest somebody, you can't question somebody on, on legalities unless you have a positive ID that they are the person that you're after, right? So the detective must be certain of, of, of who they are looking for. Well, it's the same for our true identity. We must be certain in life that we know who we are in Jesus. We have to be certain of this, church. Because here's the thing. Did you know, at this very moment, there is a spiritual battle going on for the identity of every single person in this room? No matter how confident you are, and no matter how, like, I don't know. I don't really know. No matter where we are at in this journey, there's a spiritual battle for every one of our identities. See, Satan, the devil, is after our true identity. Now, obviously, Satan is, 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 is out there, you know, he's not going to pick on little old Chip in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. He doesn't probably even know who I am, although I, w I wish he did. Like, I wish he heard of my name, right? That means I'm doing things for the kingdom. Yeah, but he's he's moving world leaders and countries around and stuff. But there are rankings within his system of of demonic angels, and they're assigned to destroy anything that God has created. Oh, I lost my page. All right, but here's the thing: he is a thief. He is a liar. And anything he can destroy that God has created is what his sole mission is on this earth. Now, now here's the good thing about this. Only God can create. Right? He's created everything that we see, the sun, the moons. He's placed everything out there. Everything that he created is created to such perfection. Like if the earth was off its axis by just one degree, life would not exist on this planet. And there's no life on any other planets right now either. God even created the unseen in the spirit realm. Right? Everything he has created. 
Satan has never created anything. He cannot create. He can only imitate. He can distort what God has created. So what he does is he takes what God has created and he distorts it or he destroys it. He gets in our heads. And some of us fall victim to this. But if he can keep us from becoming the person that God has created, then he has succeeded in destroying what God meant for good. No matter what kind of a life we've lived in the past, no matter what kind of a situation we come out of, God has created us for good. He's created us to do good for his kingdom. But the enemy, Satan, the enemy will do whatever he can. He'll use whatever tactic he can to get us to believe the lies he has told us about ourselves. He will get us to believe in the opinions of others. That's a big one. Because as human beings, we, we want to be liked. We want to be, we want to be, we want to be validated. We, we want people to speak good into our lives. But when people don't, it's hard for us to ignore that. So he'll get us to believe that stuff. He'll get us to, to believe what the media says we should be, be doing, or social media, or our social surroundings. He'll even use past hurts, the things that have been said and, and done to us, to, to get us to believe that that is our identity, that is who we are. He loves to remind us of our past mistakes the, the, the things we've done in the past that we regret, we wish we didn't do, the things we still currently struggle with, that, that God says, I, I'm walking with you in this. We'll get this. The devil loves to just bring that up and remind us that, of that, that you're no good because of this and that and the other. He loves using acceptance. You'll never be accepted by God because of who you are. You know, these are things that, that we buy into, that we believe. All of these tactics of his have a way of bringing condemnation and guilt into our thought process. The problem with that is, if we read the Bible, and we believe the Bible, and we let the Bible sink into our spirits. By the way, for those of you that signed up for our, our one-year Bible reading plan, I'm about ready to email you here at the end of this month. Every two months, I'm going to email you as a group. I might even throw in a couple of questions about the reading schedule. See who's on top of it. It is so important, church, that we understand the truth of God's word. Because listen to what the Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 17 tells us. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was sent into this world so that we would be saved through him. It is through Jesus that we have eternal life in heaven. Now in the King James, that word judge is condemn. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now there's a common theme in the New Testament when it comes to referring to the Christian life, and the phrase is this, you often hear this, in Christ or with Christ. We find that numerous times throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings and his letters and in Peter's and John's writings. See, our true identity, who we were created to be, can only be found in Christ, with Christ. 
Christ, apart from Jesus, we'll never discover our true identity. Our true identity can never be discovered outside of Jesus. Think of it like this. God, who created all of us, has put his fingerprint on our hearts. Each one of us has his fingerprint on our hearts. That's why, that's why when we go through life without Jesus, we, we have this feeling that something's missing. That's, that's that God-shaped hole. They call it a God-shaped hole in our hearts that yearns for our creator. I believe it's the fingerprint of his that he puts on our hearts that we're saying, I need to be connected with my creator. How about like, like if, you have a, if you have a pet, like a dog, when the dog runs away, usually the dog, what, comes back. They find their way back to their owner. We find our way back to our creator at some point in time in life. And the only, and only the truth of God's word will get the positive ID of who we are in Christ sealed in our spirit so we live in confidence in who we were meant to be. Amen? So we're going to read a passage from 1 Peter chapter 2. I got a lot of, of just verses that, that I'll quote, but we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 for the entire message. So if you have your Bibles or your, your phone or whatever, you can stay right here in chapter 2. There's a number of verses in here too I'll quote. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So, so to put this into some context, he's talking about the Jewish people and how they rejected Jesus and then he says, and he says, they stumble because they, they do not obey God's word. And then he says, he says, but you're not like that. Now he's talking to the Gentiles. But you're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. I like that passage. There's a lot in there. This is what's so great about the kingdom of God. We don't have to chase after the feeling of being accepted. God loves us so much that he chose us. This is the beginning of creating a positive ID as to who we are in Christ. We have been chosen by God himself. When I think of my life pre-Jesus, sometimes I'm like, God, why, 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 did, you, why did I survive all of that? And I, he told me a long time ago, stop questioning that because I had things for you to do. I chose you for this journey that you're on. God chooses us. He chose us. We don't have to, to worry about being accepted. And, and you know what? For every one of us in this room, we were not picked second, third, fourth, or even just last on his team. He picked us all first. We were all the first picked on his team. So our faith in Jesus, it can't be based on our emotions. It can't be based on our feelings. It can't be based on our surroundings or even our circumstances. It must be based on the truth of God's word. And God's word tells us that we have been chosen 
to be a part of his kingdom plan. We must know and stand on the truth of God's word for all things. Because our feelings, our emotions, our circumstances, our surroundings are all going to change as life goes on. But the truth never changes. It doesn't waver. It doesn't differ. It doesn't become something different for each situation. The truth stays the same. That's why we have to know his word. Listen, when Jesus started his ministry, right? He went and he got baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. Wonderful things happened. A voice out of heaven said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. Everybody heard it. And then Jesus went off into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. I, I like to think of it as kind of like a mountainside where he just, he just went to spend time with the Father in the mountains, whatever, in the woods, something. But he fasted. He didn't have anything with him, no food, no nothing. He just walked right into the woods and spent 40 days in there by himself, fasting and praying with his Father. And then along comes Satan to tempt him. And how did Jesus combat these temptations? With the truth of God's word. He quoted scripture. Even when the devil quoted scripture back at him with a little bit of a twist to it, Jesus quoted scripture. How many people do we know that 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 read the Bible and know it well, but then say, well, you know, I don't know if that's exactly what that means. We, we, can't, we can't twist Scripture to fit our needs, right? That's why we have to know it. And, and the greatest thing about God's Word is it doesn't say one thing in one place and that's it. It backs itself up in several places. So when you read the Bible over and over and over it throughout your life, you'll find these passages that back themselves up. I don't know, I love it, man. That's what we have to base our life off of, church. And, and just so there's no confusion in what Peter is saying or, or what I've been saying, listen to this in Ephesians chapter 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I'm just quoting scripture. Peter's quoting scripture. Scripture backs up scripture. So how cool is this? Before God made the world, before he made the oceans, all the sea life out there, and the, 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 the uh, sun and the, the stars, the, the, what we call it, the universe, all of that out, before he made everything, he had each one of us on his mind. I mean, to me, that's that's you, I can't we can't fathom that with our finite minds. But then look at this saying about Jesus in Titus chapter 3. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That's why I can stand here with confidence and say that I know who I am. I'm not boasting, I'm not bragging. But God's word gives me the confidence in knowing who I am so that I can share that with you and share that with people around me. 
Remember, last week we talked about like a performance-based identity. The Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was Saul, and he, everything he did was performance-based. In, in this type of identity, we will always come up short as we're always seeking the approval of those around us. We, we seek the validation of our existence. And there's always, there's always one more something to go after because we'll never quite measure up in a performance-based identity. But because of the grace of Jesus, we are made right with God. It's not performance-based. And you know what? The thing about this is, you don't have to get your life right with God before you can come to God. God just wants us to come. We'll get that stuff figured out later. God says, I love you so much, I just, I just want you in my life. And the only way we can be in the life of the Father is through his son, Jesus. That's, that's how it was with me. My life was a total mess when I accepted Jesus. It took me a long time to get things figured out before actually I would come to church. But he worked it out with me. See? There's nothing we can do to earn God's acceptance. The moment we invite Jesus into our lives, we now become a son or a daughter of the Most High King. That's who we are in Christ. And then in, in, in uh, 1 Peter, uh, 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 verse 9 there, we are extremely valuable to God. So valued that he sees us as royalty, a holy nation, a treasured possession. Say to yourself, I am a treasured possession in God's eyes. That's who you are. And just so we know that Peter isn't basing this off of his feelings. He's just not writing something that he's feeling good about. He's not having a good day where things just, everything's aligned, and this is a great day. I feel like writing my first letter. I'll title it First Peter. <laughs> he's basing everything he writes off of the truth of God's word. Listen, let's talk about Peter for a minute. I think Peter gets a bad rap. I Lately, the past couple of years, I've really been kind of just dialing in on Peter. And I think Peter, Peter is it. Peter is the guy you want by your side. He was Jesus' ride or die. Because Peter, listen, when Jesus came walking on water up to the boat in the storm, who was the only one that got out of the boat? Peter. When Jesus was saying things that were kind of like, oh, oh, oh. Who was the only one that had the guts to say, hey, Jesus, I don't think you should say that? Peter, even though Jesus said, get behind thee, Satan. During the transfiguration, when, when Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, and he began to, to shine in all of his glory, and then Moses and Elijah appeared, and, and, and Peter, James, and John were just like, whoa, it was Peter that said, we need to build some booths, we need to do something, and then whew, they all fell out in the spirit. Peter was like, we got, we got to do, you know, we just can't stand here. When Judas led the charge to come betray and arrest Jesus the night before he was betrayed, who drew their sword and cut somebody's ear off? Peter. Peter was not going to let anybody get in between him and his best friend, Jesus. But then what happened that night? 
Peter, probably in his eyes, really messed up. He denied his Savior. He denied his best friend. Three times he was asked. You know this man. You're a Galilean. You know him. No, I don't. No, I don't. The third time he, he cursed and yelled and just went away weeping bitterly. And then after Jesus resurrected and was in his new body and the, the, the disciples were coming in off of a night of fishing and there's a guy up on the beach yelling, hey, you guys got any fish? They noticed it was Jesus. Who's the one that jumped out of the boat and couldn't get to Jesus quick enough? Peter. Who did Jesus have a special moment with right there on the shores in front of a campfire before they had breakfast? Jesus and Peter. I love Peter. And Peter wrote two letters. But here's the thing. If anyone may have struggled with their identity, with where they sat with Jesus, I think it could be Peter. Think about how Peter felt. Think about even when Jesus resurrected and, 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 and you know, hey, go tell, go, told, told the ladies, go tell the disciples I'm alive. I, I wonder if Peter could make eye contact with Jesus. Like, I'm so ashamed. I feel so, I'm a loser. I denied you. I'm sorry. I, I picture, and this is just me, Peter standing in the back of the, of, of the, the crowd of disciples, you know, like, I really messed up. Because the enemy just beat him down. And maybe he, he didn't think he was who he thought he was. But because of this, I think if anyone, let's just say this is true, right? If anyone has the authority to speak on their identity in Christ, I think it could be Peter. And, and, and when we read Peter's letters... You read First and Second Peter. This is not the letters of a guy who was kind of this buffoon that was impulsive and, and just said whatever he thought and wasn't thinking with what come, came out of his mouth. First and Second Peter is some deep stuff. There's some deep theology in his writings. And, and I think he studied Old Testament scriptures so that he could write his letters. Because, listen to Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is God speaking through Moses to the Israelites. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Does that sound familiar? Isaiah chapter 43, this is the second half of, of verse 4. You are precious to me, you are honored, and I love you. This is God speaking through Isaiah to the Israelites. Does that sound familiar? Listen. This is God speaking to the Israelites in the Old Testament, but it's also, it is prophetic of how God sees us as well. Remember last week I said, this much of the, the Bible is Old Testament, this much is new. You think we throw out that much? It all comes together. See, what, what Peter is saying here is a fulfillment of what God told the Israelites. And, P and Peter is simply reminding us as how, of how valued we are by God. And, and, and as a result of this, Peter tells us, listen, now you can show others the goodness of God. You get this sealed in your heart. You're royal priests. You're a holy nation. 
You're valuable. You're loved. You're, you're a prized possession. And because of this, you can share the goodness of God with others. See, today's message here, as, as we end this series, is, is all about getting us to understand the truth about how God feels about us, how God sees us, and how much he loves us. If we ever question how valuable we are or how much we are loved by our creator, all we have to do is look at the cross. And uh, a little bit later in verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter two, uh, verse 24, Peter says this. Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Who's he quoting there? We read that in Isaiah, right? Isaiah wrote that. Peter is just quoting scripture. By his wounds, the broken body on the cross is what gives Jesus the authority to heal us, to bring wellness and, and wholeness and healing to our bodies. His shed blood is the forgiveness of our sins. We don't have a clue what Jesus went through on that cross for us. When he was nailed on that cross, all the sins before him, past, present, and future were laid upon him on a man who knew no sin. Think of the agony that he went through for each one of us. Amen. Yeah. He stepped out of eternity for us. He left his father's home for us. Uh, he left paradise to come to this earthly realm where there is sin and disease and all kinds of stuff for us. It's almost as if it were his words spoken through the prophet Jeremiah as his love for Israel parallels his love for us. Listen to what Jeremiah says in verse 31. Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love I have drawn you to myself. That sounds like Jesus to each one of us, right? God chose the Israelites to be his chosen people. Now, they rejected him when his son, they rejected their Messiah when he walked the earth. And then it became what is called the church age, where all the Gentiles, now Jesus is gathering all the Gentiles and anybody else, Jewish, whoever, puts their faith in Jesus will become a part of his kingdom. And then there will be a moment during the, during the tribulation period where the Jewish nation will be called into God's kingdom as well. But in these promises from the Old Testament, we can connect what Peter tells us in verse 10. Once you had no identity as people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Once you didn't know who you were in Christ, before you accepted Jesus into your life, you didn't have the mercy of God on your life, and now you have the mercy of God on your life. It is in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, it is in the renewal of God's forgiveness that our true identity can be found. And all sins totally forgiven. 
often people struggle with this. They, they struggle by allowing guilt or, or condemnation to cloud the fact that he is a forgiving God. The prophet Micah said this in, in, in chapter 7, that God will trample our sins under his feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. There's a, uh, this is where, if you ever heard of a sea of forgetfulness, God throws our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. It comes from this verse. God takes our sins and he throws them into the depths of the ocean to, to be found no more. Yeah, thank goodness for that, right? He doesn't remember them, so we need not remember them. It is the enemy of God that likes to remind us of them. The psalmist in Psalm 103, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. We touched on that word fear last week, right? In, in, in the context of, of, of this passage, that word fear means a healthy and humble respect that comes from knowing that he is God and we are not. <laughs> he is compassionate and loving to his children. Who are his children? All those who invite Jesus into, into their lives now become children of God. And then there's this one in 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Church, if you struggle with forgiveness, God, there's no way you can forgive me. I keep doing this thing over and over again. Then keep coming to him over and over again. He will forgive you over and over and over and over, and sooner or later, it's going to be resolved. You'll get it. He is a forgiving God. We just did Micah chapter 7, Psalm 103, and 1 John chapter 1. If you struggle with forgiveness, get these passages down in your spirit. Meditate on them. Pray over them. Talk to God about them. God, I, I really struggle with this. This passage here, verse says, he is faithful and just. You know what just is? Just is not fair. We don't deserve anything that we get from God. But he is just because he will do the right thing. Because his word says this is who he is. And so he will do it. He stands on his word. There is nothing that can separate us from the love that God has for us. The moment we invite Jesus into our lives, we enter into this type of a relationship with him. And it is in this that we begin discovering our true identity. Let's read this passage from, from 1 Peter chapter 2 again. Verse 9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. Something we haven't dialed in just yet is that royal priest's part. What does that mean? Well, it means you now wear a collar. Uh, no. <laughs> Pastor Dave did that for a while. <laughs> it was kind of cool. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that we are seen as royalty. 
as royal priests, we are to represent God to those around us. That's what it means. This is the, the part of our identity in Jesus is to represent the kingdom of God here on earth by extending the same mercy to others that God shows us. That's what it means to be a royal priest. Can we do that? Because people are people, messy. Can we do that? Can we extend the same mercy to others that God extends to us? Loving our neighbors as ourselves? In verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this, Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. We start by respecting and honoring everyone. Loving those in our church family and the family of believers all across the earth. Why is it that the church is so nitpicky with everybody? I was just recently reading this morning, uh, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in these groups, pastor groups and church leader groups and stuff, and boy, in the comment section, we just, we just tear everybody apart. We just tear everything down because we believe this, we believe that. How about, let's just show some grace and some mercy to those around us, and let's just do this thing together. Let Jesus sort all that out, Right? We start by respecting and honoring everyone. Honor God and respect those in authority. That's what it means. Fear God. Honor God. Respect the king. Respect your president. Respect your governor. Respect your mayor. Respect those in authority. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You want to learn how to discover your identity in Jesus? We need to walk this out. This is the beginning. This is how we learn. We've got to do the tough stuff. That's what it is. Romans 15. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. As royal priests, we are to accept others in the same way that Jesus accepted us us how many times have we said oh oh i know this person that just walked into the building oh i don't know i know what they've done yeah and god knows what you're doing see i use present tense <laughs> welcome accept them accept everybody now just as a side note all right acceptance doesn't mean approval I didn't say approve what everybody does. Accept them. We accept all people because all people are created in the image of God. And when or if the opportunity presents itself, we are to speak the truth in love. By loving others unconditionally, we are representing God. And all glory will be given to him when others receive the same type of love from us that we receive from God. And it is in these actions that our identity in Jesus can be found. Amen? Close it out real quick with this. My prayer for this whole series here 
is that we are able to stand on the truth of God's word when it comes to who we are in Christ. Don't let anything out there sway who you think you are. Figure it out, discover it in God's word so that we, that we experience the unconditional love of the Father and that it becomes who we are to others. That we learn to embrace who we are in Christ and realize what Peter said in 25, verse 25, chapter 2. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Amen? Let's pray. I thank you that in your word, God, we can discover who we are in Christ. We can discover who we are in Jesus. And that by realizing we are a chosen people, a prized possession, a holy nation, royal priests, when we realize that, our role is to share the goodness of God with those around us. And I thank you for that, Jesus. We don't need to be perfect people to share the goodness of God. We just need to be willing vessels. And we pray this in Jesus' name.